Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Hi, how's everyone doing? All right, all right, great. Uh, so my name is Greg Elliott. I'm uh, part of the teaching team here at uh, Life Vineyard. Really a privilege to come to you today. And um, I always have a different outlook on things. So, oh, here we go, right? <laughs> so first, let me start off like this. Um, I love legends and myths that teach you something. I think, I think legends and myths are, are just these tools. Now, you might remember in elementary school, you remember the, the legend about George Washington when he was a kid, what did he do? He chopped down the cherry tree, and then when his father came to him and said, George, did you top, chop down? He admitted, and he said, Father, yes, of course I did. And you know, as a kid, this teaches us to be honest. You know, I still haven't confessed to my dad that I left his hammer outside and it rusted, but I think he knows, you know. <laughs> Another one is, you might have heard of Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette, the last queen of France. So uh, she lived lavishly, a lavish lifestyle while everyone else was suffering in the com uh, country. And it, legend has it that she went, uh, someone went to her and said, um, you know, the people, they need food. They don't have anything to eat. And what did she say? Let them eat cake, right? You know, so there's this legend that she was so removed from the people that she didn't realize that. And so it kind of teaches us. And of course... If you're a Cubs fan, there is the Billy Goat legend, right? The Billy Goat legend that a Billy Goat from a tavern was not led into Chicago, and so Chicago did not win a World Series, and I'm sure some of you are out there, hey, that's not a legend, that's true, okay? <laughs> yeah. And in 2015, they won the World Series, and by the way, just to give a plug to my friend because he's here, Scott Barber here has a wonderful T-shirt proclaiming this event on Amazon, right, Scott? Yeah, amen. It's really cool, yeah. So um, there, there's one other legend that's kind of pertinent for what we're going to talk about today, and that, that's a legend of the Knights Templar. Now, the Knights Templar was this group of knights during the crusade, and legend has it that whenever they would baptize, they were mounted on their horses in full armor, and they went into the river to be baptized, and you might have heard of this before. What did they do? They lifted up their swords and made sure that their swords weren't baptized because they said, you know, you can baptize me, but our swords, we're going to do some stuff that we don't want God to see, right? And so there was this legend that they kind of kept things from God and kept the sword from God and, and did some things with that. You know, <laughs> I think that legend really is, you know, and again, it's, you know, there's, I don't think there's any uh, proof or I don't think anyone knows whether that really happened, but it was really to say that, you know, to tell us that there are some times that we keep things from God, right? We say, we say, God, you can have this part of my life. Jesus, you can change this part of my life, but don't meddle over here, right? Don't meddle with this little grudge I'm still keeping, you know, for several years, or don't meddle with my finances, you know, that's kind of my area, you know, or don't meddle with my favorite Netflix, you know, don't meddle there, Jesus, you know, there's this thing that we're lifting up like a sword and making sure God doesn't touch. And, 
You know, I was thinking about that this week, and it's, it's like there's two routes we go to keep things from God. There's kind of the direct route. The, the direct route is we just are defiant, right? We're defiant, and we say, God, you're not going to touch this, right? And so if we ad- admit to ourselves that we're, we can be that defiant, but, you know, there's kind of an indirect route that we do that too, that we keep things from God, and that is sometimes we, defi- we redefine who Jesus really is. Sometimes we redefine him in such a way that Jesus doesn't have to touch the things that we don't want him to because we've really redefined him. Well, we're in this series that's called Come Alive, Rethinking the Marks of a Thriving Disciple, and it's actually based on a book by Peter Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And I really liked uh, Liz and Dan's sermons the last couple weeks, especially, um, you know, I was thinking about last week when, when Dan spoke, and he really, you know, really the crux of this book and the crux of this idea is that we need to rethink following Jesus in a being way instead of a doing way. And last week, Dan said this, the fullness of life does not come by way of doing for God, but by being with God and experiencing the treasure of his loving presence. So we're trying to get on the path of not thinking about what we're doing, but actually thinking about being in relationship with Jesus. Well, this week we're going to follow on in that series, and I was kind of confronted by the the title kind of caught me whenever uh, I was asked to preach on this chapter. and this chapter is, uh, the, the title of it is, Follow the Crucified, Not Americanized Jesus. And I was like, Americanized Jesus? That's, you know, when I first read that title, I was like, oh, where is this going? Right, because this is the image. Let me show you the image that comes to my mind. That's the image that comes to my mind when you say Americanized Jesus. You know, you got the flag waving. You have Jesus holding football, the rocket in the background. We've got uh, an eagle there with a hot dog. Okay, get that. Okay, go ahead. Get a laugh. Okay, that's enough. But that's what comes to mind, (laughs) right? Whenever you say Americanized Jesus. But that's not what the author meant. The author meant, if if I quote from him, and really within the first chapter he says this, when he means Americanized Jesus, he's saying within the church to Americanize Jesus is to follow him because he makes my life better and more enjoyable. You know, if, if this gentleman grew up in England, he would say, you know, uh, make, uh, have the British Jesus or the Canadian Jesus if he grew up in Canada. But what he's really trying to express there is that we want to follow an image of Jesus Christ that's the Christ of comfort and success instead of the Christ that went through the cross. You know, Jesus was successful. He did the impossible for us. I mean, think about what he did for us. All of these years, they were looking for a Messiah, and Jesus came, and he redeemed man. He he broached that relationship between man and God, and this relationship that was mended went through the cross. Salvation didn't come through comfort salvation came through the cross. I mean, we can just look at one of the books uh, uh, or one of the letters that Paul wrote, and we see this in Romans 5.10. It says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You know, often we want to follow the Christ of comfort and success, not the crucified Christ of the, of the cross. We think, you know, if I follow Jesus, he will make my dreams come true, right? And do what I want him to do. He will take my script for life and he will bless it and make it better. There's not gonna be any suffering, not gonna be any failure. He will make my family perfect. Kids will run around the house just waiting to wash the dishes and brush their teeth, right? Um, and sometimes those promises are made to people even when we introduce Jesus Christ to them. Sometimes it's very tempting to introduce that success and comfort-driven Jesus. But, you know, I, I kind of, if, if you bought into that, sorry, you know, <laughs> coming from me. I've been a Christian for 40 years, over 40 years, and my life has not been like that. That's not been my experience. And it's also not the experience that Jesus, I think, was proclaiming to the disciples so they had that same idea. So I don't think we should feel bad about having that idea, but he definitely did confront it. And it's a scene in Matthew, if you've got your uh, Bible or if you've got your uh, phone and you want to turn, turn there, it's Matthew chapter 16 is going to be the uh, passage we're going to kind of dive into today. And let me kind of set up. So we're in the book of Matthew chapter 16, right about in the middle of the book, and so what's happened is, you know, we had a miraculous birth of Jesus. He was a popular, mind-blowing uh, speaker. So this is after the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount where everyone was just awed by his words and his ideas. He's a compassionate healer that healed people. Whenever he had a critic that were coming against him and the disciples, he had that question or that thing to pose to them that just made them look bad, you know, and so everyone around them is starting to go, this guy is awesome, you know, and he, he fed the 5,000, you know, we see that miraculous miracle, and it, so he is ready for his own TV podcast, right? I mean, he is just at the, at the top of his success, and it, it's kind of that, that trend is kind of to the point that in, in the beginning of chapter 16, Peter proclaims, Jesus said, Who, who's everyone say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You know, it's kind of like, that's it, curtains closed, everything's done. But now Jesus kind of pivots and takes a turn and, and really starts to say some hard things. So we're in Matthew 16 verses 21 through 26. Let me read that for you here. It's up on the screen. Um, it says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to resist. He said, never happened to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, 
but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, you go through this and like Jesus is at the, you know, pinnacle, ready to start the podcast. You know, everyone's applauding for him and the enemies that he had are really been being shown for who they really are. And then there's a turn. And, uh, you know, Peter's there and he had just got done proclaiming you are the Messiah. You know, so he is like Jesus's right hand man. You know, he knows his stuff. And then Jesus starts to say some, hey, there's about to be something that's a little different now. You know, I'm going to go to the cross. At the hands of my enemies, I'm going to go there. That's where my path leads. And I will be raised again. And, and Peter says, wait, 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 no, no. We can get there another way. And what's his response? His response is called Peter Satan. I mean, that's pretty rough <laughs> to call someone Satan. But, you know, what had to have come to Jesus' mind is that time when he was in the desert and Satan was giving him all these temptations of basically saying, look, I've got an easier way for you to do something that's similar to what God has called you to do. And Jesus must have been thinking, wow, I'm just seeing that in Peter right now too. And so he says, get behind me. You're a stumbling block to me. You're not helping me out. You don't have the mind of what God's going to do. You're thinking like a human again. And then he gives the challenge that the disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross. You know, in this passage, Jesus really gives requirements for following Jesus. You know, it really goes through, I think this passage goes through three things that really tell us what it's like to follow Jesus. And the first one, I'm going to express it like this, and I'd, I'd heard a, a podcast on this, and, and I thought this was a great way to express it. It, it. It's going to require letting go of our script for success. It's going to require us letting go our, our script for success. So let me express, express it like this. So if you look at modern psychology, um, they talk about a script of success, and it, it's really what motivates our life. And what is driven is success. Um, there was a guy in the 1920s who was kind of a contemporary, although they didn't get along, of Sigmund Freud. And his name's Alfred Adler in the 1920s. And he, he coined this phrase, goal-directed behavior. And if you think about it, when we're kids, we start to have these ideas, right, of what success looks like. It's kind of, what do you want to do in life? Well, you start to come up with this, well, I want to be a fireman, I want to be an engineer, I want to, you know, and you have this kind of script you start creating when you're a kid. Or when you're a kid, you think, what will make me happy? You know, for me, it was an Atari, you know, <laughs> so, back then, yeah, right? So, you know, I thought, you know, and I would think, how can I get an Atari? How can I 
manipulate my parents to actually, and I went to them and said, you know, I wouldn't have to go outside and play if I had an Atari, right? I thought that would work, right? Right? So you have this kind of script you create, and I think we have, we as adults, we do the same thing. Some of us wake up every day with this script to start the day. Do you ever start your morning by having this kind of planning session? You're like, I want to have this success. This is how I've got to get there. You know, it might be a success at work that you want, at friendship and relationship and career, what you want your kids to act like, what you want your husband or wife to act like. And we start to think, okay, how can I do that? How can I move things around so that I have? And so it's, it's quite natural for us to have these success scripts in our life. But sometimes these success scripts don't come true because of circumstance or choices that we made, and so we can lead into depression there. So you might wonder, well, you know, how do I really know? What's my success script look like? And uh, Scott Slayback had these two questions, I think, really kind of get at that question without asking the question, um, how, what does my success script look like? So think about these two questions in your life. I will be long when fill in that blank. I will be long when, fill in the blank. So I'll give you mine just to be open and honest with you. I will be long when people like me. I will be long when students recognize me and recognize my intelligence. I will be long when people think I'm funny. I will be long when people don't talk behind my back or I'm successful at work and recognized by my peers. If I think about it, I wake up in the morning thinking, how can I make those things come true? How can I plan that out? Or another question he said would help you realize this is, my life will be good when? No, my life will be good when my employee changes. When I'm financially secure, my life will be good. When I get a Southwest Trek CNC mill, my life will be good. <laughs> I do think about that one time, right? So those things, and, I, and you think about it, we spend a lot of brain energy, a lot of time doing that planning. And what Jesus is saying, I think, in this scripture is, I think he's saying this, he's saying, let go of your su success script. Let go of what you think success looks like in your life and follow me. This is what he said in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What Jesus is saying is, put your success script down. Put that script down, deny yourself and follow me. See, the problem is that we don't do it like that, that I don't do it like that. I, I take my script, and I go, that's a pretty good script. Those aren't bad things. And I, I come to Jesus, and I say, here, why don't you bless this? Can you bless this, Lord? Can you bless this script that I have, that I have for success in my life? And Jesus says, no, 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 I want to write that script. You know, we even do this, you know, and I was thinking about this, we even do this in the people that we celebrate. You know, so, so everyone's watching football now. I'm a big football fan, and uh, Jeanette's a big football fan. 
And, you know, you always like it whenever you're watching football, watching a football game, and after the game, they go interview the person, right? And they interview him, and he says something about Jesus Christ, and you're like, oh, isn't that cool? That guy's, you know, Christian. And it is. It's kind of encouraging, right? But it's funny. I was thinking that, you know, and, and that could have been, you know, following Jesus, that is that person's path to do that. That could have been that. But you know what? There's people that we don't, actually celebrate. That's the person that had talent, that had education, that was brilliant, and lays that down and follows Jesus somewhere where they don't get that celebration. I mean, think about it. There's no way. I mean, rarely will we ever celebrate the person that has this excellence in their life, and they lay it down, and they become a missionary. Or they lay it down and they say, you know, I, I'm really going to value not teaching at a university, but teaching at a preschool, you know, because that's where Jesus is following him. And so a lot of times I think that what we really want to do is we want to ask Jesus here, this is what success is, now bless it. But Jesus says, no, the right answer to that question is not your success script. The right answer is, I will belong when I am following Jesus. Period. Done. That's it. That's success. Whenever I'm walking behind Jesus and saying, Lord, where are we going today? You know, that's scary. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. And sometimes that's going to go a path through a university professor, you know? It's going to, I think he's put me where, where he has just so that I can uh, reach some people, you know? But sometimes it's going to be, look, i got to give some things up, too. And that kind of goes to the second thing I think Jesus points out in this verse or this passage is that we have to also let go of our need to avoid suffering. Let go of our need to avoid suffering. Now, look, I'm not saying that if you're going through hard times, we don't pray about it, we don't pray for God to do miraculous things. We believe in Jesus doing miraculous things, that the Holy Spirit will come in and do healings and things like that. What I'm saying is that sometimes our path does go through some hard times. You know, Jesus gives us a must deny ourselves and take up our cross, not some of the disciples may, you know. And so what does that mean that we deny ourselves and take up our cross? You know, it could, you know, I asked some people the other night about this and and one of the things, well, you know, the cross really represents that we should do things that help others, like the cross, Jesus went through the cross to help us, you know, and that's a good point, you know, or that everyone has some load to carry in life, you know, that could be, or, or possibly that the gospel, maybe he's representing the gospel and saying, look, I want you to take the gospel as you walk along and follow me. I think all of those are, are good answers too, but you know, there's two aspects to this phrase, take up your cross and deny yourself, that I think we need to look at. First, I think that part of the expression of that phrase is that denying ourselves is going to feel like death. I think there's sometimes it's really going to feel like that. I think that it's, you know, you, you look at, and, it, and what I mean by that is, you know, think about this. You go back and you're in the grocery store and there's the three-year-old that just, you know, got done asking for candy, right? And the parent said no to the candy. 
and then you see them twirling around on the floor. No, no, no. You know, denying yourself <laughs> can sometimes look like that, you know. Um, sometimes I want to feel like that, right? So I, I think sometimes denying ourselves is, is going to be hard. Sometimes it's not going to be natural. You know, the moment that we gave, you know, and we surrendered to Jesus Christ, you know, there was freedom in that moment. But I don't know if you remember this. For me, I also felt like, you know, there, it felt like death. I mean, it felt like there's something I'm putting aside, you know, but I was putting that aside to gain new life. The other thing, too, is I think that phrase, deny your, or take up your cross and deny ourselves, I think it says that as we follow Christ, there's going to be some times of trouble, some times of tribulation. I mean, if you look at all the disciples, all the disciples except one, as far as we know, were martyred, every single one of those, except for, I guess, two, you would say Judas, and then also possibly John. But as far as we know, all of them were martyred. All of them went through tribulation and trouble. I would have to ignore a lot of the Bible if I don't think we as believers are going to go through troubled times in our lives. I'm just going to give you some of these. These are in the Old Testament and the New. Old Testament, uh, Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflicted afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our Bibles. Romans 5, 3, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hard times are going to come as we follow Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not going to be easy. You know, um, I was thinking uh, today, so we, we started this church about 11 years ago, something like that, and there's been hard times, man. It, you know, and I, I remember that as we would have different things happen and kind of deal with different things, I remember we started coming up with this phrase that I think is great, and it says, and we said, never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis. You know, there are things that happen in our life, and if we just take that moment and say, what's God trying to do here? You know, and I even mean by maybe... Um, correcting us if we're going in the wrong direction. I mean, what is he building up in you? I mean, I would not give all the troubles that I've been through because it's done what the scripture said. It's built me up to who I am. There's a third thing, too, that I think Jesus is saying in this passage, too, that while we follow him, and that is 
don't get in front of Jesus while you follow him. You know, and that's whenever uh, Jesus turned around to, to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, that's pretty harsh words. Can I make a recommendation for your marriage that you don't go to your spouse and say, get, I mean, you don't want to do that, right? We don't use that kind of language. Uh, but he, this was probably one of the harshest things that, that Jesus ever said to his disciple. And this was partly because Peter was getting out in front of Christ. You know, when you're not a follower, you're a stumbling block getting in the way of God. And he said, look, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but you're merely thinking of human concerns. Putting human concerns in front of God is not what Jesus wants as we follow him. Going to the cross for the, for the Messiah, to me, really doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't. Like, I'm like, there had to be a better way to do this that someone wouldn't suffer, right? And that's me thinking about it humanly. But you know what? God demonstrated this value for us whenever he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Not only that, but God showed his power and, and power over death, overcoming death and demonstrating everlasting life. These things sometimes don't, don't make sense to us. And I always kind of go back to this passage when, you know, sometimes we go through things like, well, I just do not understand what God's doing here. And there's a great passage, and, and you should mark this down in your Bible if you're ever going through this. I think this is a fantastic passage, particularly if you have been given something prophetically. You know, a, a lot of times you get those prophecies to you, and it's kind of like, wow, I'm, that is true, right? And you start looking at things happening, and you're like, I do not see that happening. But let me give you this, uh, the, this passage. It's from Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. And it really gets me through those times when I don't understand the path of God. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Oh, amen. You know, I was... I was talking to Jeanette last night, and we were just recalling all the ways that God has done things in our life different than the plan that we had. You know, when we got married, I did not think it would go through New Jersey, you know, that we would spend seven years in New Jersey, you know. But I also realized we went, and boy, did we bond with God during that time. You know, we saw one person that would not have come to know the Lord if it wasn't for Jeanette's uh, witness to them. You know, and I think of that. Think of the love that that takes. Sometimes I think that's the only reason we're in New Jersey, is that God wanted to reach that one gal, you know. And in all of these things, you know, the plan is not the thing that we follow. 
You know, he does not say, take up your cross and plan for me, right? That's not what he says. He says, take up your cross and follow me. You know, sometimes God gives us a great prophecy too. And I think the other thing about that is I've learned, like, if, I, if someone gives something to me p- prophetically, I don't start planning, oh, this is how this is going to happen, right? What I do is I kind of stand back and I go, okay, God, this is going to be pretty incredible, <laughs> you know, because I can't see how you're going to do this. I can't see how you're going to do this. And we have even uh, prophetic things about the church and stuff that uh, sometimes we forget to share, you know, just how that people had an idea that Anne had, had this prophecy that, you know, you're going to be a vineyard, man. Look at this path, you know. Look at this path that God has us on. I mean, it's incredible. I couldn't have planned it. And yet in that path, I see people that had opportunity for repentance. I have people that had opportunity for healing of past things. And I have seen a lot of those things that when we're following Jesus Christ, you start to see things happen around you. Let's pray. Um, Father God, I just want to thank you for this time that we had in your word. Um, that you ask us to follow you. Um, Can I just proclaim for my brothers and sisters here uh, today that we want to learn how to do that better? Um, Father God, even as we go to worship, we deny ourselves, Lord, and worship you. Uh, Lord, I just really want to express that we love you and we care for you and we trust you, Lord, You don't have to do the things that I've laid out for you, but help me to understand the things you've laid out for me. And for folks going through troubles and hard times, Lord, I I just really pray for peace on them just to see what you're doing in that circumstance. And so, Father God, we give this time of worship to you. I also just really ask that anyone that needs healing today, that anyone that needs to just Give up and follow you would do that today. And I pray these things in Christ's name. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.